Welcome to The Art of Growth. This is Jim Zartman. And we are starting our panels this week of our series on being a student of your story, where we ask people to reflect on if they could go back to one moment in time, what moment would that be and why? And today we have the Type 2 panel. Before we jump in with the Type 2 panel and then Joel and I responding to them, I want to let you know we are excited to announce that group coaching is back. We're going to have two groups that meet starting next month. And if you're not sure you'd like to join a group, we're going to have an interest webinar next week. And you can sign up for that in the link in the newsletter that goes out this week. If you aren't signed up for our newsletter, you can do that at theartofgrowth.org. These coaching groups have been some of the best work that we've done and have helped people take a huge step in their journey. So it'd be great to find out more about that and see if it would be something that would help you in your journey at this time. Okay, let's go ahead and jump in with our type two panel and our first caller that we'll just jump into who left this message in response to the question, if you could go back to one moment in your own life, what moment would you go back to and why? Some people wanted to go back to change a moment. Some people wanted to go back and experience something beautiful again. There's no right answer, but all of it has to do with being a student of our own story. Here was our first call in from a type two. Hey there, my name is Deborah, and I am a type two. I am a social two. So you asked the question, if you could go back to one moment in your own life, when would it be and why? And there are many thoughts that came to mind, but the one that's imprinted most on my heart is my oldest daughter is an eight. And when she was probably about 13 and being a typical teenager, and she was getting big and scary. I do not remember the reasons why. I just know that she was yelling and she was raging and she was angry. And me being a two and not comfortable with anger and also being the parent and I'm supposed to be in charge. I think I had a pretty strong one wing as a young parent. Got bigger and scarier. Well, that wasn't effective. So what I wish I would have known then is what I know now is that sometimes she has to get big and scary and that it's not personal and that it is not directed at me and that if she can just get big and scary and let those things out, then she would be able to discuss whatever needed to be discussed or process on. So I think if I had this knowledge um, as a young parent, I would have saved thousands of arguments and hurt feelings and trauma that it left on each of us because the arguments just got so big. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. Awesome. Thank you, Deborah, for sharing that and for being willing to be vulnerable about this moment. It's interesting. We, we asked this question, if you go back to one moment, what would it be and why? And right away with the, the two, you're seeing the story that comes up is, is others-focused. It's about someone else and the relational distance between them, because we talk about how the two is very focused on, you know, wanting to manage the relational distance between them and, and the other person. And, you know, right off the bat, it's very much this others focused thing about her and her daughter, mm -hmm. which is, it's very two, but, it, you know, it's also beautiful. It shows that that heart of, of relationship and wanting to be in good relationship. Yeah, but I think it also demonstrates that a lot of parents would feel badly about things that they've yeah. done. 
you know, with their kids growing up. I don't know that many parents uh, would say there's not a single moment I'd like to go back to. And, you know, in some cases, I think we can be in denial of those things. But as you look more closely, you realize, yeah, I've I've had some impacts on my kids. Mm. But I think to Deborah, Deborah, I'd say, yeah, I'm with you. And Mm -hmm. that is painful. Thank you for sharing that. That I felt that, like, um, you didn't varnish that. You just kind of laid it out there. And you've learned some things since then. So Mm. that's the bigger bigger takeaway. Um, And even going back, I think in some cases you can go back and maybe have these conversations with people that you've had interactions with that didn't go so well. And, you know, bring that up again, maybe apologize for it or just at least have a a conversation about what was intended in that and Mm. unfortunately the impact that sometimes we have on each other. So I get it and I think about things I could go back to and fix myself. And for sure. Yeah, sure. But what I love in your heart, Deborah, is that I can tell that you're someone who focuses on repair, who wants to like come back around, who wants to make things better, who wants to reconnect, who you, you say that you got big and scary, which, you know, sometimes an eight does respond to, you know, honestly, like there can be an element of that that they even appreciate but I can see in you a desire to repair. And this is something that is consistent in all the data when it comes to parenting is that, yes, there's tension that comes up. Yes, there's relational disruption that happens. But those who focus on repair, who come back around, who uh, don't just like let it lie or let it go away, but circle back and reconnect again, then you're going to be golden. A, a therapist friend of ours told us when we were dealing with stuff with our daughter, they're like, you know, According to data, you can get it wrong like 60% of the time. <laughs> but if you circle back and repair, like you're always going to be establishing that, that security, that safety that a kid's needs. You're going to be creating this connection that that lasts over time. And I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. Is to like Because I can see in, you know, in this heart is that desire to, to reconnect, to make things better, to repair. Yeah. We recall the past so that we can engage in the present moments Mm. to make a difference in the future. So how do we do that? Well, as you're probably already doing, Deborah, you're probably already talking to other parents. Yeah. Right? So that's the way we forward the growth that we're experiencing in the present into the future. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is the last part where you were saying, you know, if I would have known, I just let her get big and scary because sometimes I understand that she needs to do that. What I love about that heart is this desire to make space for the difference Mm -hmm. of the other. Mm -hmm. And like, this is something we all need to get better at, right? Is this, I can make space for you. If this is who you are, if this is where you're coming from, I can make space for that. I can make room for that. And I can even show a value to that. I've had this conversation with my daughter. I was just like, even, you know, your anger, I welcome it. Which is actually a line I saw from a movie where the character is in a conflict and he says, even your anger is perfect. (laughs) Mm. And it's like, sometimes you do. It's like, I want to make space for the bigness of others, which is Mm -hmm. a Catholic phrase. I think it's a good way to show that you've actually done this work and you actually made huge strides in this area. Yeah, yeah. Hi there. My name is Jen Lee and I am a type two wing three Enneagram. I'm incredibly passionate about the Enneagram and I'm excited for the certification course starting in January. So if I could go back to one moment in my life, 
it's interesting when I first read this question, for some reason, my mind immediately went, went to what would I do to change an outcome? And, you know, I questioned myself for a minute and just said, no, you know, everything that's led me to the point that I'm at today has happened for a reason. So I don't want to go back and change anything because we either learn or we win, right? But if I could go back to one moment in my life, it would be back in 2017 at the beginning of the year. My husband and I had been engaged for about a year. We bought a house in November in 2016. I was a partner at an agency, a marketing agency at that time, and things were were going a little rocky uh, with me and my partner. I didn't know that this was going to happen, but, you know, we were engaged. We bought the house. We were going to get married in September. A lot of big life things changing. And um, I had a really difficult conversation with my business partner at the time. And it became clear that I, I needed to leave the organization. In that moment, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of trepidation. And, you know, of course, all these big life um, changes happening. (laughs) I had looked at my future husband and, you know, I was like, well, I could go find a corporate job, get paid really well, probably work less and, you know, honestly be miserable. That wasn't something that I wanted to do. Or I could start my own business, probably work more, (laughs) make less and be really happy. And my future husband, this is also why I know he was the right one. He just kind of looks at me. He's like, well, you know what you got to do. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you have to start your own business. So in January of 2017, I took the step and started my own business. We'll be six uh, in January of 2023. I haven't looked back since. And all those feelings of fear and being scared. I truly believe that if you're not nervous about something, sometimes it's not worth it. And it was a really meaningful moment for me and especially for my growth. I'm glad that I took the leap with no capital. Like I I had some savings, but I basically took the leap and started my business. I'm incredibly passionate about emotional intelligence and I have done a lot of work with my team on the Enneagram, which is part of why I want to get certified. I want to be even more educated. So hope to have an opportunity. Thank you so much. Hey, awesome. Jen, Hey, one of your uh, new certification yeah, students. Absolutely. I know Jen. Well, getting to know Jen. Yeah, just starting so, to get to yeah, know Jen. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, thank you so much, Jen. I love that you said you wouldn't go to the past to change. And I think it's an important distinction to make is that even though there are some things we look back in the past and maybe experience some regret or looking at it now saying to ourselves we would have handled it differently today does not mean that we go back and wish we could go back to the past to change that necessarily, although we would if we could. Mm. But there's also a part of which it is necessary for us to grow. We have to go through what we go through in order to grow. So, I, I really appreciate that part of it, Jen. And and so, yeah, way to go on that and that you are now taking the past experiences, engaging in the present to change future outcomes. And so I see 
how you're doing that now with what you're trying to do, getting certified and mm. and really wanting to impact the employees and and really be a service to them to help them be their best selves. One of the things that came to mind when I was listening to her is uh, how many heart types I've talked to who they have this idea and they they have this feeling like I need to do this thing, but they can get stuck in that head heart loop of where they're, you know, the the feeling about it of wanting to do this, but the trepidation around it. And there can be sort of this agonizing interior mm. uh, experience of like then bouncing into head and thinking, analyzing it and feeling it and actually not taking that step of pushing into the action. And she did. And I know that can't have been an easy decision, but uh, I celebrate with you that stepping into action and I, I think it's a very honorable thing to do. But like, obviously, it's going to be terrifying. It's it's like we know it's hard to like go out and start your own business, mm. and you're yeah. you don't know like, am I going to have enough work this month, or you know, because there's this faster famine thing that can happen for entrepreneurial types. But that is to be celebrated because nobody actually relates to or is inspired by the story where you know, I just did this and it worked out perfectly. And then I went over here and everything and it was all easy. You know, the struggle is what makes it relatable. It's what makes you go like, like I've earned it. I've earned being here. Mm-hmm. And we've often talked about, you know, you're taking this moment to tell this story, to celebrate something you've done. And we've talked about how important it is to celebrate because it solidifies something in you. It's like, yeah, I do have that within me. And if I wouldn't have taken that risk, if I would have gone the safe route, you would have always had this what if in the back of your mind. And so many of us are haunted by our what ifs. And so I I love that you were willing to take that step. And now you can look back six years later and be like, I, yeah, I freaking did it. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. it. I love that. So one of the funny things that I, I just want to point out Jen is that okay? So Jim, this is hilarious. <laughs> Jen says, you know, her husband's her husband Tubi says, you know what you have to do. Yeah, you know what you you need to do. Yeah. And it's like immediately like, no, what is that? Right. So that's like mm. totally heart center. Right. It's always I have to look to the external. out external. Yeah. Right. But as a heart type, you have to do, particularly as a two. So let's talk about the two. You have to do a what is it that I want to really do, mm-hmm. right? So, so like returning to the self, so self-referencing a little bit yeah. in order to actually do what, you know, Jen, you're doing now, right? What mm-hmm. she's doing now is able to go to completely serving and yeah. helping other people. But in order to do that at the higher level that she is now doing it, she had to do the self-referencing. She had to come back to herself and say, what yep. do I really want to do? And now you're a two that is living an even more impactful type two life. Mm. And so I I just, I love that. Yeah. But I I also don't want to like shame that part that needs the external. No, no, no. Because I think some twos do feel that a little bit like, oh, there's something wrong with me if I need that external. And it's like, no, no, it's okay that you need that. And it had happened in this relational context. And, you know, it's a fiance. So you're trying to merge a life together with someone in a healthy way, like trying to partner with someone as you're trying to navigate this complicated life thing. And so I love how you said it was confirmation that he was the right person for you. Yeah. When he basically spoke back to you your own heart 
Oh yeah, yeah. Because if yeah. he would have said something else, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have resonated with you the, the same way. So you did have a voice. You did know internally this is the right thing to do. And he didn't have to be like, "Well, you should do this." All he did was, you know, what you needed to do. And probably either way you you would have gone, yeah, he would have been fine with, yeah. But you knowing what you needed to do and him calling that out, like that shows a good you know dynamic in the, in the partnership too. Is like making space and. Like a good partner will not be like, you should do this or that, but they will call out that which is already in you. And I think that that's a good moment to celebrate as well. So this launch of this relationship, because that's relationship is so central for you as a two, also coincides with this launch of this business where you are in in service and even in marketing capacity, right? So it it's understanding how the story that goes out from a business into the outside world and how it's seen. And mm -hmm. so all that combination, I think, is, was just a really, like, a beautiful moment to, to celebrate. Yeah, really good. Before we jump in with the next person who called in and our response to them, we want everyone to know about the group coaching courses that are coming up starting next month. You can check out more information on our group coaching programs at theartofgrowth.org and make sure you are signed up for the newsletter there because if you are not sure whether or not a group would be right for you, you can attend a free webinar that we're gonna have next week so you can get a taste of what the experience would be like and see if it's right for you. So make sure you're signed up for our newsletter at theartofgrowth.org so you get the links to sign up for all of these things. Okay, let's listen to our next caller. Hi, my name is Catherine. I am a two with a one wing, sexual subtype with a secondary um, self-prez. And I just want to say too, I just love the Art of Growth podcast. You all have been so influential and um, helping me understand, especially instincts and subtypes. And I also teach this and use this in my practice as a therapist. And thank you. It's great. And I was in one of your groups, um, which was also fantastic. There are two moments I can think of, and I couldn't decide which one um, that I would go back to. One is my second grade birthday party when I had a shame response to something I said, and I internalized the belief that I could hurt people without realizing it. And it's been a lot of my life's <laughs> growth work to change that. So that's been a moment that I've gone back to a lot in my own personal work to restore and change that and meet myself in a different way there. I don't know that that directly ties into being a two as much as responding that I thought I needed to manage myself at that point instead of just be who I was. Another one is in my Southern Baptist church that I grew up in, um, having a moment where the, the messaging around being a sinner and being saved kind of came through to me. And I was in shock that I wasn't already connected to God because I felt like I was, and I was being told that wasn't right or good enough. And, and that really changed the trajectory of my life there as well. From that moment on is when I took on the burden of the two. I needed to be just like Jesus, and I needed to have no boundaries, and I needed to help everyone. And the Good Samaritan story was an albatross around my neck because I felt like I had to help every single person I saw that had any need in front of me at any moment, and I was not allowed to have any space for myself or any boundaries or any needs for myself. And that is a lot of where those two messages got internalized that I've 
since been able to work through and let go of and be able to see myself as a real person and a regular human just like anyone else and also doesn't have to save everyone else. And that is truly transforming. So thank you for the opportunity to share. I'm looking forward to hopefully being a guest, but either way, listening to all the amazing stories that you have coming out in this next season. Thank you for all of your amazing work. Bye. Yeah, some of these get to us a oh, bit more man. because that one touched me. Yeah, we have experienced uh, some of that world. So yeah, yeah. So share a little bit. Why did it? Yeah, touch you. So well, much? first of all, I just want to like breathe a little bit and hold space for you, Catherine. That's I mm. deeply, 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 deeply uh, appreciate people sharing their hearts, their wounds, their vulnerability. Um, but I think that one touches deeply because of my experience in the church world too. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it can be a very harsh world too for some, you know, for some others, it's a, it's a wonderful positive experience. So yeah. I don't mean to kind of cast a, right, you know, a blanket over all of it, but, but yeah, Catherine, your experience as a two, I mean, your gift is to connect and to, you know, for some twos it's helping and, and that turns into a curse when when you're told these things or when the expectations are there for you to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I did want to speak to the message that you interpreted or heard and interpreted as I must not be connected to God. Yeah. And I think anything that begins there is not the truth. Yeah. It is not the truth. And I know their theologies. I was raised in them. Yep. So I know them very, very, very well. <laughs> They're not true. And the truth is that you are connected. The lie is the belief that you're not, which produces all sorts of unhealthy responses to that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that precious start of a child believing that they're completely connected to the divine, that's a beautiful, beautiful start. Yeah. But on the other hand, we all experience exile out of the garden. (laughs) And so, that's part of life, and it is so painful. And we experience that uh, as part of, I think it's part of the the path of growth sometimes, you know, is that there's an exile and then there's a return. So, thank you so much for opening up your heart and sharing about that. And Yeah, I mean, I understand that environment – um, more than I do a lot of others that that people share. And it's hard because some of us are born into environments that are, we're very comfortable with because it goes right along with our type. Oh, yeah. It just fits so well. And then some of it, it's so antagonistic. You just feel like you can't be yourself at all. But then this is sort of in this third category, which is it's the thing you naturally would do anyway, but then it doubles down on it in a really extreme way. I mean, just the way that she, the phrase she used, she said that the good Samaritan story, it's like an albatross around my neck. Just this, it's this weight of down of just going like, I already have a hard time as a two with boundaries. I tend to be porous. So things affect me. And as a therapist are talking about now being under boundaried or over boundaried instead of just like this general term boundaries, but the twos tend to be more on the under boundaried side And so you're put into a world where you're supposed to be entirely externally focused, Mm. which is 
natural for them. Like for some of us, we need that message because we need to have a little bit more of an external focus and awareness of the needs of others. But as the two, you're already starting from that space. And so when there's this weight added onto you that you need to be doing that, it can just set off that anxiety mechanism of like, well, am I doing enough? Am I serving enough? And ending up in this place that I'm so thankful that you are more free from in this, I know it's not true that I should just basically serve and not be aware of my own needs at all. That you've come back to understanding that it is good and proper that you have your own needs. That we talk about here, like something has to happen in you. It has to happen deep within you before it can happen through you. But nothing is happening in you. You have to, you're not pouring in yourself at all. You're not really going to have much to give. Mm -hmm. And so I love this heart of realizing and remembering, which is for twos, you have to have this daily reminder. It's almost like you have to start your day there. You know, if I was coaching a two who is, who is where you were 20 years ago, Catherine, I would say, you may have to start your day with being like, okay, how do I actually prepare this mechanism for service because the the good Samaritan story may have been an albatross around your neck, but you probably would have found a lot of solace in the stories about Jesus actually withdrawing from the crowd, <laughs> pulling away, just pulling away with his friends. That may have been something that would have brought you know, relief at that time. But I've joked in churches that anywhere you go, that people underline different parts of their Bible. And almost we've joked about, I think we actually did an episode once where we we said what the sermon would sound like from every different type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because you can hear it. You can hear the, the messaging of mm -hmm. someone's upbringing. And you said you heard that when you were reading parenting books. It's like all from this one. Yeah. It's like so clear their type shows up and like, this is how you, yeah. this is how you should do it. And it doesn't always work on that kid or for that parent. So I love the, the freedom that you're stepping into. I love your awareness, Catherine, that it's ongoing work. And having gotten to know you a little bit in, in the group, the group coaching that you referenced, you know, I've seen you, I've seen you in action. I've seen you know, your heart for, for people. But I love that you're taking these, this time to do these things for yourself. So mm. you're intentionally doing the things that are going to push against your type instead of trying to use your type to solve your type. You know, you're doing the things that you need to do to be more whole. And that is a beautiful thing. That is a thing to be celebrated. Working backwards a little bit to what you said earlier, which was, that, you know, learning that you're, you could actually hurt people. And that, how that impacted you, Catherine. And there is a sense at which twos can take an over amount of responsibility around that. Like, I, I'm, you know, shocked that I hurt somebody. I had no intention to do that. Right. And then how do I ensure that that never happens again becomes um, its own albatross around the neck of a two. Mm -hmm. There is both a wisdom that a two possesses at their best, which is, I know how to serve other people. I know how to make other people happy. I know how to lift up uh, people who are down. But also to be able to return to the self and be who you are, recognizing that no matter how hard you try, you are going to hurt people. <laughs> mm. And that there's a difference between your intention and your impact and that your intention may not be to hurt people, but your impact may still be. And that does not make you a bad person. That does not make you 
And of course, for the two, it, it's it's the threat is is real that this could end relationship. This could mean that I'm no longer wanted, no longer loved. Yeah. And so I get that. That's a really painful and scary place to be. But what you learn and begin to learn more and more is that as you handle your impact, like recognizing, oh, I do have impact and it was maybe negative and I didn't mean it to be negative, that that's how they experienced it. It does not mean that this is how now it is your responsibility, right? Yeah. And so like understanding and being gracious around someone and understanding that that's how you impacted them. Yeah. That's great. That's important. But it's not always your responsibility to solve. Yeah. And so that's an important piece too for for growth uh, mm. for type twos. Um, so yeah, I I really appreciate you you sharing that, Catherine. Yeah, because this comes up a lot with twos, and so I I just want to you know reinforce what you're saying there, Joel, is that natural tendency to be overly responsible to manage the relational distance between me and you. And if something is wrong, I feel like I did something wrong and I need to be the one to to fix it. Mm. And just waking up to sometimes it's not yours. It's not yours to do. It's not yours to fix. You you showed up, you did your best, but whatever's going on, that's part of their journey too. Mm. And you are not responsible for their emotional health. They're on their own journey. They have to they have to take their own responsibility. And as much as you can be a part of it, that's beautiful. But the way you shared it is just kind of like, but not at the expense of your own soul. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. And so I think that's something that every two has to kind of deal with is the that responsibility mechanism that says, I am responsible to manage the relational distance between us. Mm-hmm. And then allowing that to kind of be softened to say, I want to be empathetic and present to people, but I cannot take over ownership of what this becomes. Mm. Yeah. So thank you, Catherine. That was really mm. beautiful. And it's, it's an honor to be able to respond to that. All right. We're going to hear from our next caller, Gina, but just a, a warning for anyone who might be sensitive to this kind of a topic. Um, she is sharing about a um, experience of sexual abuse. She doesn't go into detail about it, but we just wanted to give the heads up to anyone who doesn't want to hear that. But we're super thankful for her story. So let's hear from Gina. My name is Gina, and I am a social two with a very strong three wing. But I thought long and hard about the moment in time that I would go back to. And obviously there are a lot of moments that I would love to revisit, but one defining moment in my life was when I was raped at the age of 15. And I wouldn't go back to change the fact that I was raped oddly enough because I feel like I've been able to help so many people along the way who have experienced similar circumstances. But instead, I would tell my parents immediately after it happened, which I did not do. I did not tell anyone until I was an adult. And the reason I would do this is because I did not get the healing that I needed at that young age of 15. And it carried through into my adult life. And those feelings of the need to be in control of my life 
were manifested from it. And I can look back on so many decisions that I made and so many behaviors that I have. And I can say that most likely stemmed from what happened to me at the age of 15 and keeping it bottled up. So that's what I would do. I would go back in time and tell my parents immediately with the hope of getting the proper healing that I needed. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Okay, Gina. Well, you know, thank you for being willing to share that so vulnerably. What struck me right off the bat was the the confidence in your voice in even telling a story that's that personal, that intimate, that painful. So it's beautiful that you've been able to do that healing work now, but um, I can hear that, you know, the phrase that stuck out to me the most that I think will kind of stick with me for a while and that really a lot of people will resonate with and that's helpful is that I didn't get the healing I needed then. Kind of this, the the struggle of delayed healing and that that just stuck out to me. I don't I don't even really know what to do with that at the exact moment, but there's something about that statement that I feel is like sacred or important for people to hear. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I think about how our ego is there to protect us and how the the need for protection immediately after a profound wounding is mm-hmm. critical and I think back to, and I've heard so many stories of people being wounded in the most profound uh, ways. I mean, things that, like your story, that is just so, you know, painful and and difficult. But then how we can sometimes be super protective. And I think to your point, like bringing somebody else in, you know, as you reflect back on that may have helped you. But I also wonder, and this this is just, you know, from a place of curiosity, I don't have any answers either. Just more of like, is it that sometimes we need to be protected from anything for a bit before yeah. we can begin the healing process? Hmm. Because I reflect back on, you know, very, very, very painful things that happened to me too uh, as a child. And so uh, I just wonder about that. Um, and yet I love the idea of, you know, what you've brought in, which... I, I do think that oftentimes healing is facilitated in pro- perhaps most of the time facilitated by being in relationship and by bringing other people into the process. Mm. I know my own healing mm. has greatly increased by doing so. Mm. But again, I just wonder about that. Like I care about that for people because to open something too quickly can be mm. maybe too much. Right. Um, depending upon where you where you are but only you can know that i think i think yeah. you have to know that and you know about yourself you and know, about the yeah. people you share with you know her oh yeah saying yeah. it you know she believes that her her parents would have been a safe place to to do that yeah yeah but Absolutely. yeah like there is yeah. there is sometimes it's hard but if something's gone on in your life uh, a long time ago and you've never been able to share it i i do think that whatever we can't talk about owns us to a yeah. certain extent it's that haunting in the background that we can't shake, but there's something about bringing it into the light. Um, and, I, and I've had clients do this. They'll share things that they haven't shared with other people before. And in the conversation, you know, normalizing it, empathizing with it, empathizing with their response to it, because mm. a lot of times people judge themselves. It's heartbreaking to me as so many people judge themselves 
about how they responded to something horrible that happened to them. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. And there's yeah. no right way to respond to something horrible yeah. that happens yeah. to yeah. you, you yeah. know, and uh, you want to have a safe place to let it out. But for some people, you may not have at the time. But if some time has passed and it's still, you have never still never shared it with anyone, yeah. something you've been through, find a safe place. Yes. There are yes. safe places to share things. And you don't want that thing to own you anymore. Right. It loses so much power when it is brought out into the open, mm-hmm. um, into a safe place. There is something very healing just about saying, this happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the other person just being like, I'm with you. I'm so sorry. That's yeah. that's really hard. But my heart goes out to you. And, you know, you did the best you could at the time yeah. with with your response. And there's no saying like this sh- you this should have been the response like there's no right way to to navigate uh something that's really horrible for for so many people and yeah so it's like i gene i appreciate you being willing to to share that and and you know my heart's go out to you and but i'm also really honored f- for you to share about you know some of the healing and how you have taken some of that pain and turned it into service and care for others. Yeah, one of the things that you said in which to me indicates a true transformation is that there's a, there's a point at which you can say, would I ever want that to happen again? The answer is no. But the amount of good that it has worked into my life, the amount of change, transformation, growth, healing, the person I've become is a result of, in part, of this profound pain. And so, you know, no regrets, right? That's yeah. kind of the, the thing I'm hearing here is, and I think that's true transformation. Like, mm-hmm. it is a strange thing to be able to hold that in paradox. Like, do I want that to ever happen? No, I would never want that to happen. It is horrible. But yeah. what I've become as a result of that is, is this, you know, more glorious being. And so... Mm. Yeah, I celebrate that with you, Gina. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Before I read our close for today, I wanted to remind you that you can go to theartofgrowth.org for a lot of our free resources, like our free Enneagram type assessment, free instincts assessment, as well as find out more information about our group coaching program that I mentioned before, individual coaching and corporate coaching. Uh, But for now, I thought it was appropriate to finish this episode with um, this poem we posted on Instagram this week that I wrote called A Reason for Grace. And so may you take this with you this week. No one has ever done this before, nor had to figure this out. No one knows how this should go or has solved the mystery of how to be you. No one has ever done this better because this has never been done. No one has figured this out, this wonder of being you, of having your background, your skills, your struggles, your wounds, your gifts, your family, your personality, your context. No one. You are building the only real expert in the making on what it's like to be you. So grace to the one figuring it out. Get help, but give grace. Present yourself today as you are to this, and you will have done everything required of you. 
grace and growth, my friends.